Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to Postcards from a Dying World. I have a special guest tonight, Anne, Ryan, and Anthony. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I have two special guests tonight. Uh, the authors of Hisser's Three, Fortress of Flesh, uh, here to talk about that book eventually, but we're going to talk about all their stuff. So uh, welcome to Postcards from a Dying World, uh, Ryan and Anthony. Anthony, we are used to talking to each other on podcasts all the time. So, uh, but for anyone who doesn't know, why don't we start with you a little bit? Tell the folks who you are and how you ended up uh, co-writing a book with this dude. So it turns out if you stalk someone for long enough, they just give in and then they let you uh, write books for them. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, that, that is not an endorsement for stalking. It's a joke. Um, <laughs> now, I should admit to bias here because... Uh, Ryan, I've known for uh, about a decade and a half uh, through the San Diego writer community. The first and I lived here, and then Anthony and I met protesting the Westboro Baptist Church at Comic Con uh, on behalf of Cthulhu. And uh, you know, we write stuff together, and we co-host a podcast called Dickheads Together. So yeah, these are friends of mine, and I'm really excited to talk about this book. I'm really uh, proud of these dudes and what they pulled off with this book. So um, we will get into hissers, but Anthony, you really didn't give us a great introduction about yourself. How did you get into horror and how did you get into writing? Yeah, I just pulled pulled you out on that. How did I get into your house? I hopped the fence again. Um, uh, Yeah, so how I got into writing, I've been writing pretty much my entire life and it all started with a little book called Everville because I accidentally read that before I read The Great and Secret Show. And then I moved on to the Books of Blood and it's I've kind of never looked back when it comes to reading and writing. And I mean, I guess you could say primarily horror, but I also love sci-fi, crime, and what more hoity-toity people would call literature. Um, And then, so I... So I met David, you, um, like you said, protesting the Westboro Baptist Church at Comic-Con. Uh, and then a year later, my first Bizarro novella, King Space Void, came out on a Race Red Press's new Bizarro author series. Um, I've sold a bunch of short stories since then, had a comic out, have a future comic out, or coming out, hopefully in the next year that I'm pretty excited about, which is an ecological horror comic. And yeah, so it's kind of a generic origin story, but I all I, it's kind of it. I just write. And that's the only thing that's ever really stuck for me is, is writing. Right. We'll, we'll get more into your process and what you, what you brought to this eventually, but Ryan, tell the folks who you are, how you got into horror and, and uh, um, some, some early career stuff. All right. Well, I'm Ryan C. Thomas. And uh, I think, you know, I just grew up reading horror and I went to school, <clears throat> got a degree in communications, and uh, got my minor in comparative literature. Took off to the big city, New York, got a job at a magazine, and did that for a number of years before moving to San Diego. Got a job at a different magazine as a staff writer. And that whole time, just, you know, the, 
I always tell this, I've told it a thousand times, but I'll tell it again for, you, for your audience. When I was young, I would go to daycare every day after school from about second grade to sixth grade. And it was at oh, a friend. I was going to bring this up because <laughs> okay, it's it was a great a part of your house. story. Yeah, I was at a friend's house and um, <clears throat> his mom was just insane. She was awesome and wonderful. But every day after school, she would sit us down in front of a horror movie, whether it was, you know, Friday the 13th part two or Nightmare on Elm Street or like um, Chud or one of those like, you know, more uh, indie centric type films for years. And we would just watch horror films. And I was like eight, nine years old. And this was my daycare upbringing. So I just got really into it. So, um, and, you know, I missed that woman. She was so awesome. And uh, so cut to now I'm working at the magazine in San Diego. And I finally, at that point said, I've been reading it. I've been watching it. I'm such a huge fan. I guess I should give it, you know, I should try writing something. And, uh, and I probably told this story on other podcasts, but I'll tell it again is um, I worked at that job for years in the, in the first year I was told to write articles on like women's shoes and stuff that I really had stuff that I shouldn't really have been writing about, had no knowledge of. And to sort of like kind of get my creative juices flowing, I would take some time in between articles and write a short story. And then that short story got longer and longer and longer and longer until it became the summer I died. And then when my boss found it, she fired me. I don't know if I ever told that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she fired me. She said, uh, we didn't hire you to write, you know, books. We hired you to write articles. And I, I had to say, well, in between articles, sometimes I got to, like, get the juices going. Right. And uh, she she rehired me. She hired me back after I explained. And she actually liked the book. I gave her the book when I was out. She's like, oh, it's a, it's a good book. So that was an interesting story. But that's how the, my first novel got written was all right, I got to write this article on women's shoes and I got to write an article on like a new pet store or something. And I've got 15 minutes to rearrange my brain. And so let me just work on this crazy story. I started with these two characters. Right. And the summer I died is um, for, for a debut novel. It's, it's a really great shot across the bow. And um, uh, as far as if people have not read that one, um, I think it's a really great place to start with your work, not just because it's your first work, but because it has um, a kind of, it has that first album or that first demo raw energy in a, in yeah. a really great way. Um, not, really not to does. say that I don't like your other work, but what I think that raw energy of that first, um, you know, that kind of that first demo feel of it is one of the things that gives that book just, um, that book is very like heartbreaking and hard to read in, in certain moments. Oh, I mean, Almost on a, a on a girl next door Jack Ketchum kind of level. Like um, it ends up it ends up on a lot of lists with the girl next door. <laughs> yeah, because it has a it, it, it's very kind of brutal. So it, it I think it I think it would be fair to compare it to for new readers. It would be fair to compare it to something like um, like a Wolf Creek or a, or a high tension similar type of um, yeah. kind of. I think that's fair. Yes, type of thing. And, and, and um, but what's really cool about what you were talking about as far as your background and how you watched all these B movies is one of the things that I think gives your work a real special feel to it, Ryan, is that you kind of always have that B movie sensibility like hanging around and your 
English training means that there's a balance between like really excellent writing and and just um, and kind of B movie energy, which is especially apparent in Hissers. But we'll get to that. <laughs> right, right. So that's one of the things I like about the summer that I, summer I died. So from there, you wrote um, sequels to the summer I died, and you know, it was a success. But like. What was the reaction to that first book when it came out? Because you kept writing, right? Yeah. Well, the very first, I think, two or three reviews that it got were horrible. They hated it. Once across the board, like just, and I, I had that moment of doubt of, well, I guess I'm done. I gave it a shot. And then uh, it took about another month or two, and I started getting a lot of praise for it. A lot of five-star reviews came in. A lot of people started to email me. And, uh, and it kind of just that snowball kept rolling down bigger and bigger. I, you know, thankfully more people really, really liked it than hated it. And, uh, you know, now uh, 15, 16 years later, yeah, it, it gets heaps of praise, which I'm hugely, you know. So um, I went from being really upset and feeling like, like, well, I can't do this to suddenly, oh, oh, maybe I can do this. You know? Right. Well, and 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 people wanted more. They wanted more of um, of Roger and and, and stories um, with this character who didn't really seem set up for a sequel. <laughs> so that was probably a bit of a challenge, I'm sure. It, um, it, it was because in that first book to be a standalone book, but two things kind of happened. Was yeah, I started getting emails for sequels. When are you going to write a sequel? When are you going to? And and then also I just really I enjoyed his character. And so I wanted to revisit him. And, 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 and the, there is a sort of a theme in the first book that kind of gets missed a little bit, I think, sometimes in the reviews, which is the whole, I'm a huge comic book superhero nerd. And there's so much about his character that uh, sort of has that, that theme is sort of in there. And so I wanted to explore it in the sequels a little bit, turning it into like, you know, an actual superhero story but it's 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 got this sense of like to it if that makes sense no, no it totally does and um is one of the kind of the b sensibilities too that, yeah. that that you bring to things is that you know you bring a little bit of that the the serious comic book reader into um into a lot of the work which is which is really cool. Um, one of the other things about your background that a lot of people, maybe even some of your readers don't necessarily know is, is your, your background in music. Uh, you know, there's a lot of punk rockers who write horror and there's a lot of, um, metal dudes here and there, but, um, but, uh, I know Cody has specifically pointed out that there's very few guys who can, um, can play the type of music that you do and, you know, uh, strut backwards on a bar with their guitar, you know, and has played that kind of music that you do. Um, you actually, um, you were in a band for many, many years here in San Diego called the Buzz Bombs. It was like kind of punkabilly, um, you know, great stuff, but you also like toured with a pretty well-known band, um, this this is a really cool part of your background. How did you get into music, and where did the you know where did that part of your journey come in? Yeah, I, I started playing in bands in in high school and really getting into guitar. And 
so when I got to college, I started a band and that the first band I toured with, we just did the thing where you get in the van and you, you tour, you just drive. You, you're like calling clubs on the road, like, hey, we're going to Aberdeen in two days. Where can we play? You know, we did that thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it really just kind of like made me a better musician, made me a first. You know, I got voted class introvert uh, when I was in school. And <laughs> it, all of that touring and being on stage got me to the point now where like you can't shut me up. So that was really good. Oh, that's but, how that happened, huh? <laughs> but but honing my honing my craft over the years, and that, until I got to San Diego and just found two really great guys that, that were excellent musicians, and you know we did that for years, and then I got hooked up with the other band because we used to open for them. Mm-hmm. And that's cashed and they, out. They and that's important for yeah, this book. Out. We'll come back to that. <laughs> when we get into hissers because i think you brought something really special to, to this book in tiny ways and in, in that but um but yeah and and you did the music for a long time here and uh I, i've got a chance to see the buzz bonds play a couple times and and even though it's not really my style of music i was very 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 impressed uh, with with your playing ability and and um your ability to put on a show <laughs> and i think you know, that, that ability actually translates to, to writing in lots of ways because I think that you get to understand sometimes like a little bit about, you know, the face-to-face of working an audience can sometimes help when you're thinking about um, like delivery of dialogue for that, for that matter, yeah. you know. Well, it's it's very, the song, you, you just want to get kind of to the point in the heart of the melody a lot of there are a lot of guitar players out there who can write really crazy intricate songs with all these nuances and changes and you know Metallica's example some of their earlier stuff kind of all over the place and that stuff works for them and that's awesome but at the end of the day you just want a song to be good and tight together and I try to apply that to my writing as much as right and we'll get back to talking about dialogue because we both are big fans of uh we both have a similar book that we look to for uh, dialogue guidance uh, in yeah. Fletch, and I'm oh, Gregory <laughs> McDonald. Gregory McDonald's so good. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. Anthony, how did you? When did you first read Ryan's work? And 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 when did you? Um, was it? I mean, you read Ryan's work before you actually met Ryan as as a person, right? Yeah. So I read the summer I died. God, probably. When did it come out? Two thousand. 2006. So I probably read The Summer I Died in 2008. Uh, I think I was just doing a curtain to search for more, you know, because I was in my my late teens, early 20s. So I was like, look, and it popped, stood out to me. And has always stood out to me about Ryan's work is that his economy of prose, his lean style, um, I absolutely have ripped off for my own writing over the last decade. <laughs> um, and then, so yeah, I, I picked up The Summer I Died. And then I Oh, I, I read his the monsters anthology that he edited right mm-hmm. monsters yeah and then i, have I that can't right remember monstrous and so yeah i just I, I just started reading that then i read ratings game um i became a fan i, I just you started you're one in 10 people like <laughs> ratings game <laughs> yeah well the other the other, the other person's here yeah uh, we, um <laughs> but um and 
and I didn't really think of it, but I, if you had told me then that, that we'd be doing this now, I'd be like, you're crazy. Talented, hey, like, hey, talented people don't. Ratings game is ahead of the ball game because uh, a certain uh, movie, Nightcrawler, came out a couple of years ago that had, uh, it wasn't yeah. exactly the same, but it was, <laughs> I yeah. Got, I got a couple phone calls from the, the, the other 10 people that read the book. I got a couple <laughs> phone calls going, dude, did they read your book? They stole your story. And I'm like, I out Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a little similar, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, but so Anthony, like, yeah, I, you did. So you, you read Ryan a couple times before, uh, before you met him. And so just like everything, I mean, like I know this from, from being, we all meet a lot of the authors we read being a part of this community and it's, it's not, it's not like a starstruck thing because like we're just, we're used to it and we're used to people being in the community, but, but we had an opportunity with Ryan and Cody and different people because we live in the city to get to know some of these writers, like more so than just, you know, seeing them at cons. And so, um, you, well, you, you say not, you say we don't get starstruck, but you got to remember that when Ryan, I hadn't had anything published. I was just a guy who was going to school for, for, for an English degree and who also loved reading, obviously writing, but I never thought I could do this seriously, at least until like five or six years later. Ryan and I have actually known each other for a while. Oh, did you come into e-copywriters? No, dude, I did. We, this is a, I forgot I worked at this. <laughs> Um, so, so Ryan actually gave me my first copywriting job at, at Yield E-Copywriters. E-Copywriters. But this is, I, I mean, but that was still not the first time I met Ryan. I met Ryan at a signing for Cody Goodfellow's Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, who I had met on Brian Keene's old message board forum. Um, and Cody was posting that he was going to be doing a signing. And I, I don't know, I probably mentioned something about, oh, I really liked Summer I Died too. <clears throat> and he said, Oh, Ryan will probably show up if you want to bring that book for him to sign. And turns out he showed up. Yeah. I'm blown. At, this is at the old, old Mystery location. Old, 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 like three uh, locations yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And um, uh, Ryan and I, I, we met before Summer I Died even probably came out. Um, it was, I think, a year before that. So. Might have um, been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we used to have here in San Diego for a little while we were doing these prose potlucks with a couple writers, including Cody's uncle's house. <laughs> uh, which was which was an experience. Um uh, but very very cool. Um and then Wait, so Ryan, how did you guys meet? Well we uh, Cody prose potluck. Was it Cody that set it up? Yeah, Cody set it up, and then yeah. I, I, the first time I think Ryan and I ever hung out was basically gawking at all of Cody's books that that room yeah. that he had that was all paperbacks. Yeah, it was yeah. one big wall of books. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, and we would just sit there and stare at it and be like, "Oh my god, look at that! Look at that!" And um, really, yeah, yeah, that wall was cool. Yeah, and what we used to do back at those events, and we had one at my house, and we had we had a couple of them as we would just um, hang out and read stories for each other and then give each other feedback, you know? So we'd read short stories. And um, I remember very distinctly um, 
uh, I read a story shoe that's in my collection, Screens from a Dying World, which, by the way, lost to Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars in the Wonderland. But Cody uh, eviscerated that story <laughs> uh, in the prose potluck and made it so much better because I got lots of really good advice from that. There's one story I've never, as I read it, a prose potluck and Cody. And so I just never even went back and fixed it. Cause I was like, uh, I can't No, I can't. And I never published. It. Right. Right. Well, um, you know, there sometimes oh, stories good this whole time. Yeah. But, um, oh, well, Cody was already, already had, uh, two books out. So he was definitely the most forward or advanced of those of us that were there at the time. So, uh, but yeah, that's how Ryan and I met. Is I think I don't know how you and Cody met, but I know. <laughs> yeah, I know Cody put us together. As far as like those those, he'd say, "Yeah, I know people to invite," and he'd invite a couple people, and then I brought Paul Stewart, for example, and and um, who's in Monstrous, um, and uh, uh, so yeah, it was a fun time. It was a it was a it was a cool uh, time in San Diego. So, but anyways, um, but so Ryan, you did a couple uh, sequels and uh, to uh, Summer I Died, but Hissers is where you got to really let your your uh, monster flag fly. And um, this trilogy, for people who don't know, and you know, we're gonna talk a lot about Part Three because that's the one that you just put out, but. How did Hissers start? Like, what's the origin story for Hissers? It seems like what you wanted to do was something bold and new with, with zombies. Yeah. Well, this was when Permuted was first blowing up, back when Jacob owned the company. Mm. He had uh, published a couple of my short stories, and he, he sent me an email, and he said, hey, man, what, what about a novel? And back in the day, Permuted was almost exclusively zombie stuff. Mm. And I said, well, sure because Permuted's blowing up. <clears throat> Let me get on the roster here. But I, I, I've never really been like a huge fan of just forward zombie novel. I mean, I like some, don't take that the wrong way, but it's not my first thing. So I said, if I'm going to do a zombie novel, it's going to be different, and it's got to be something I would want to read or see on a movie screen. And so I really just went to a place of what do I like, and um, how can I seg? How can I like mash that up kind of into a zombie novel? And it really came down to I'm a huge monster movie fan, you know. Like I love I love I love movies like The Thing or Cloverfield or you know something mm. like Monster. And I also like kids on bikes type stuff. And uh, so that was sort of the origin of it. Was like how do I how do I mix those two things into what would you know be classified as a zombie novel? you know right and i think the 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 coming of age part and and the 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 kid part of it is one of the things that's underrated about the first book and you know i think one of the things when i looked back at my review of it um because i read it when it came out like a long time ago i've read it several years ago anyways i'm not sure if i read it exactly when it came out but i read it several years ago and one of the things that I know I pointed out and one of the things that I really remember strongly about the first Hissers is that there's there's a scene where they have to hide in the high school, which they're all which they're all dreading going to because this is the summer before, 
you know, these are middle school kids. These are really young kids. The whole dreading of the high school that they're going to is kind of one of the parts that's really cool in Hissers that, yeah, sure, people are going to talk about the monster zombies and that stuff, but, um, and that's where I talk about, that's where I'm thinking about how you're balancing the B stuff with the, with really great character work. So talk to, talk to us a little bit about writing that, those kids because they're they're really good part of that first book yeah you know a lot of a lot of those kids are an amalgam of kids i grew up you know they were they were the kids i hang out at bus stop with they were the kids i played soccer with they were the kids i biked with in my neighborhood and i took all the parts of those you know friends i had growing up and kind of you know took part a b and part c and put them all together into one kid so you know i all of those people were friends of mine in one way or another, even if it was just like a part of a character was a friend of mine, if that makes sense. Um, you know, we would, uh, you know, I, when I was, you know, cause I'm old now. So when I was growing up, like it wasn't uncommon for like a 13 year old girl to be walking around the neighborhood smoking. That doesn't happen these days, you know, it's long gone. But that, that type of like, there were, there were girls in my neighborhood growing up who were that age that would just, smoking and they were like too cool to talk to then when you finally did talk to them you found out like oh she's pretty deep there's a lot going on with this person and and you know that's part of amanita's character you know Uh, and i should note that you grew up in rhode island because i know if i was listening to an interview i'd i'd want to know exactly where you grew up (laughs) outside of providence as they say um, about 10 minutes from providence yeah in a little town buttonwoods But so, so for Hissers, too, so this was part of the whole Permuted line. And for anyone who was not a part of the horror community, Permuted was very popular for a short period of time and then kind of imploded when I think it changed hands. Yeah. Uh, ownership, that kind of thing. Don't get me going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But, but this is important to the story, I think, because you did a sequel. Was that before or after the – was that for Permuted, too? That the, was for Permuted. Muted, um, and it was. I I had a verbal contract with the, the previous owner of Permuted, and he sold the company right as I finished the book. And uh, you know, I, I won't get into the gossip of it all, but we were informed that it had changed hands. I emailed the new owner and said, "Oh, well, the book is done, part two that I was asked to write, and here's the email outlining the deal." I just, you know, had never really actually gotten the contract, and so I was like, "Can I get the contract?" and they said no. <laughs> well, they said, you know, it, anyone who followed the permuted, um, you know, kerfuffle of that time will stop doing print editions and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, at that point, I just said, well, you know, my own little thing going on, I'll do it myself. But it was written because they had asked for the sequel, you know. And again, right. the summer I died, I really liked these characters, you know. I really wanted to see where they were going to go. Right. And um, for you, the motivation in, in doing the sequels is more for to see what happens to the characters or um, did you always have like kind of a, um, a trilogy in mind when you started conceiving of the story or was it just or were you motivated by like now I want to know what happens to these characters? Yeah, I was definitely motivated, motivated by what happens to the characters. By the time I got through the second book, I said, well, this I don't want this to be the walking dead. I don't want it to go on and on and on. I want it to end so I can do other things. 
but I want to see it end. So I knew there was going to be a third book. You know? mm. I, just, I just had to get there. <laughs> right, and we'll get to how, how things changed for the third one. Anthony, what was your history in reading Hissers? Like, I know um, you 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 read it. You read them before you got the gig to do part three with Ryan. So, uh, what was your history? Yeah, I, I read them both. I was working in downtown San Diego, so they were definitely two of my uh, to and from work on the trolley books, which is a thing I I sorely miss. Uh, Hissers one. I thought I thought I thought it was all right. Um, <laughs> I'm not it was okay. Yeah. I'm not a huge zombie guy, but what what really makes it work for me is Ryan's what I really enjoy is Ryan's writing style. So right. it's like I said, it's it's funny, it's lean. I can I feel immersed in it. He's he, I wouldn't even I would, I don't think I've ever seen you be wordy. You've been deep, but you've never been so wordy that I'm like just get to the fucking point. Well, that goes back to Fletch and we'll get to that. Well, it's funny, Anthony, that you've picked it because since we we also work together on things, that's one of the things that, for example, when I was working with Deadeye, Jeff Burke would always say that I don't waste words, that I don't waste time. That's something that I also appreciate about Ryan's work, and um, it's it's kind of funny that uh, you know that's something that we we, we both get <laughs> accused of <laughs> is not wasting words and not not messing around. But I think that comes with Ryan and I have a lot of similar influences on that but that well, means- i i think i think i think what's important to, to note with, with ryan's writing is that i think being an editor also helps him be a better writer mm-hmm. so he knows what needs to go and what actually needs to stay mm-hmm. yeah not to cut you off but that's another thing i do why you do it all the time i well, you know can do it again um when i was working in the magazine though yeah you have to make word count for an article so i would edit people's stuff down i got really good at going this word doesn't need to be here to make the article make sense. <laughs> but real quick, while we're on the on the topic of the first two Hissers books, I just want to say that Ryan Ryan historically doesn't like part two, and I think part is the best of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, and and we'll get to final thoughts on on those things in a, in a little bit mm-hmm. because we want to give people a chance to listen to this before we get into spoilers, but. Um, but yeah, and one of the other things too about Hissers is that it has kind of a body horror. Um, it takes the zombie thing and kind of um, throws it in the mix with with body horror with how the the zombies evolve. And um, and and where did the, where did that come from with you, uh, Ryan? Did, was was that just was that just an aha moment, like when you were? Yeah, it kind of was an aha moment. Well, when I was trying to what the story was going to be and how to make it different mm-hmm. i remember how it came to me but i just yeah i had this moment of like oh well what if you know what if they can attach things to themselves and become monsters because again i really wanted it to be as much of a monster book as a zombie book mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to make that work um yeah at some point it just came to me like oh this would be cool if they could just stick an arm on their chest yeah, and then and then kind of trying to come up with a very B movie type way that that could happen. So with the, you know, the uh, the drug, whatever the that they're trying to uh, invent for soldiers to you know attach reattach limbs that get blown off. Right, 
um, which uh, is is uh, kind of uh, comes up in a really cool moment in Hisser's Three that we'll we'll probably talk about at some point. This is one of my dog-eared pages, um, but I, I think one of the cool things about the um, about the setting too is that, and and Anthony and I have talked about this is that the parts outside of the cities of Southern California is a underutilized location for for horror uh, it's something that we've talked about many 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 times so talk about this um fictional place that the first two books kind of start off in and then we'll talk a little bit about san diego because san diego is a character in in hissers three so um <clears throat> well so caster is the name of the town and it's really just based on different towns I knew growing up in New England, different towns I knew touring when I was in college or right after college, um, playing in these small towns, these small college towns where, you know, they've got a, a, a pizza place and a bowling alley and a gas station and that's it, you know, and you're playing in the bowling alley tonight. And so it's just those, those tiny small towns where there's not much going on and the kids have to ride their bikes and, Try to make their own fun it's just it's just an amalgam of all those places you know um i think in my head i see these small towns in um it's a mixture of these small towns in new england and these small towns in colorado that i used to gig in so in my head it's like i took those two and kind of like worked them together and, and created a small town of casting yeah and, and and i think it works really well for um and it's a bit of a spoiler for the end of book two, but, uh, you know, uh, rough times come to Caster. <laughs> and, and look, we're, we're, we're going to sell this as I really think people should read the whole trilogy. But I think in, in, in many ways, because I read the other books so long ago and I read um, three, I almost read three as a standalone kind of in a way because I, I started to remember things as as. I, as I was reading, but in a lot of ways, it, it stands really well on its own, in my opinion. Like, you you definitely will benefit from reading all three. So, um, but yeah, um, but, so what happened here with Hissers 3, Ryan, is that, like a lot of collaborations, it came uh, it came together partially because... Uh, just like the one we're we're currently reading for for dickheads, where one author started it and felt like they really needed some help finishing it, um, which is natural sometimes. But you you uh, you came to Anthony with this, right? Like um, like I would like someone else to jump in on this with me. And how did that happen? Well, I don't I don't think Brian me so much as I came to him about it. In, in, in all honesty, I, I Ryan uh, would come to our, our other podcast that we do and uh, I would always ask him, hey, when are we going to get another Roger book? Because I love those books. I, I, I Ryan has done with the Roger Huntington series is, is far and away better than what most people do with their book series. It, and, and he was talking a little bit earlier about how Roger is kind of like a low-key superhero. And when it clicked with me somewhere, I think early in book three, that that's what he was doing. I thought it was brilliant. And sure, they're they're the they're the horror people who don't like the second and third book because it's certainly not as gory at, and like brutal as 
I died, but they're extremely well written. They're again, they're funny. And I mean, there's some pretty brutal stuff in both of those books. But Ryan's ability to make look different and grow the character at the same time in that series is incredible is incredible and and so i kept asking him hey when are you gonna write me that that fourth roger huntington um and what did what did you and what I, was your answer and my answer was i do it until i finish history three because i'm kind of an i'm kind of a completist and i kind of only work on one book at a time so i knew you'd started history three but you hadn't i had it. i had done a full complete draft it was a full complete three but I didn't like it. And oh, having two kids now, and I'm a stay-at-home dad, that's, it's hard to find the time to go back and fix it and find out what's wrong with it. I, I didn't know you had a completed draft. I, I thought you'd started yeah. it, yeah. No, I had a completed draft, and I said, uh, there's a lot wrong with this, and I just don't time <laughs> to fix it. And then Anthony kind of offered well, let, he's like, let me look at it. Let me, and I said, yeah, great. Well, he, he's being a lot nicer about that. I was drunk <laughs> and I said, you just let me do it for you. That might have been just, what just, just let me fix it. I'll do it. I'll, I'll finish it. I'll yeah. fin- I said, I'll finish it and, and, and we'll do it. And I, I didn't think he'd say yes. Cause I mean, I'm not trying to just jump in on Ryan's series and be like, it's your book, man. Um, but, but I, I, I was, I'm tired of waiting for Roger Four. So, but and I and, I, and I'm tired of him complaining. Well, I <laughs> yeah, so. but I know that you you get it. We see eye to eye on most things when it's in, in most movies. Oh, there um, we go. <laughs> you re- so, you recommend one bad movie to this guy. He never lets it go. It wasn't, it wasn't a joke. Anyway, um, no, but so no, but and and I had read his writing, and I was like, oh, he's a good writer. You can, and so I knew, and you had read the series, the first two. Yeah. So I was like, I trust this guy. Yeah. So I gave him the manuscript, and I said, fix this, and he did. Well, and, before that, I went back and reread books one and two, yeah. and sticky noted everything, and made a whole little outline for myself about he, what he, happens. He knew more about the books by the time we were doing part three. He knew more about the whole saga than I did. So. Well, hey, and um, I know from personal experience that Anthony's a great collaborator to work with. So I remember um, specifically the first time Anthony mentioned to me, like, hey, I think I'm going to work with um, Ryan on his or three. I remember immediately saying, like, oh, I think that's a great idea. Um, and um, I also knew from experience that um, uh, Anthony's really great to work with. So. Um, yeah, and uh, because you know um, we've we've written a novel together, we're being very patient about finding a home for it. Uh, Into television series. Yeah, and we've spent a lot of time throwing back ideas back and forth. And one of the things that's that's really important in a collaborator is somebody who um, you can trust to get it when you've got something really good but also will call bullshit when you're when when you use the word tummy in a sentence um which uh i did david Um, used the word tummy for a for a grown 40 year old man's character as the uh but no but my point is is that i knew that anthony would be um would would be a person that that ryan that you could trust to 
um, called bullshit when he needed to uh, to to help drill down on things when when you're going the right direction. And, and, and those are all, that's all you can ask for in a collaborator is somebody who's who can also look at things with fresh eyes. And the fact that um, that he went and sticky noted the book and, and, and really put thought into it and didn't just say, like, here, I'm going to take your draft and, and and, you know, well, it wasn't a punch up job for me. It, yeah, it, it, it wasn't simply just, hey, uh, you know, revise this and make it work. It was more of like, if I'm going to take the time and get this opportunity, I want it to be worth it. And I want to put the time and effort into it. I mean, I, I went part time at my job to, to be able to do it. Um, you know, yeah, I t- told I said, so. Ant- I told Andy, you can go wherever you want. If you want new scenes, if you want new characters, if you go for it. there. And there's some stuff that I I fully changed that was in the original draft that I totally just took. I just said, no, no. (laughs) Which is what I, that's, I mean, in in the the long run, it did take a lot of reverse engineering certain things and, and fixing and moving some, some stuff around. But, but some of that stuff that I I did want to take out, I really did feel like was, I think it, it, I personally. um, Well, it was a, it was a bad draft. Most first. (laughs) well, and what I think is important here, which I think people are really going to enjoy, the writers out there, is that there aren't a lot of discussions on how to collaborate, right? Really? There's a lot of podcasts that talk about the do's and don'ts <laughs> of writing, and one of the reasons why I was excited to talk to you guys is because about this book is because there's not there's not a lot out there about like, hey, how do you collaborate? How do you take two voices and turn them into one? How do you do those things? Um, you know, Anthony and I, like, we worked together on Nightmare City for a good four years, right? So we learned a lot about each other's writing styles and all that. And so, but your process in this one was a little different because, you know, Ryan already had a draft. He already had a thing, you know. And, and so it's, we'll, certainly, it's certainly daunting to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm coming in as the second voice. And he, you got to remember, like, for, for you and I, David, writing Nightmare City, it was its own self-contained, unique thing, right? Like, I didn't come right. in, I'm going to write the sequel to Punk Rock Ghost Story. Right. right. Like, I, I came in and said, I'm writing the third book, or co-writing, excuse me, the third book to an already established series. And Ryan has this built-in fan base that is expecting a certain style from him. Right. You know, in some ways, because I've read so much of his work, has kind of made it a little bit easier for me to be like, okay, you know, does this still work for Ryan's voice? You know, absolutely. It was also terrible, especially in all the new scenes that I wrote. I was like, does this fit? Does it seem tonally like out of place? Um, well, look, but I think, but, and, and Ryan hasn't heard this yet, but one of the things that I will t- tell both of you about my outside view of how this process worked is, and one of the things I should. When you were starting Hisser, your draft of Hissers 3, I was finishing a novel and you and I took a retreat out to Julian, got a cabin and and we we worked. You were starting this book and I was finishing a book. Right. So so at one point and I I think because I was finishing, I got done with the book <laughs> that I was writing. Well, you were still pulling your hair out like how am I going to start this? And one of the cool things was I remember having a conversation with you where I was like, all right, I've read these books. I'm going to see how, how ready Anthony is. 
and I had this conversation and, and I'll admit in a little bit of my hubris, I was like, well, let me see if I can help give Anthony some advice for taking on this project. And I remember sitting halfway through the conversation being like, oh, he's got this. He's so fucking ready for this. And, and, Thanks. you know, and feeling like, oh, this is going to be really good because that's when I discovered that you had gone back to the other books that you had taken this as a, as a, that you weren't just sitting down and being like, I can, uh, that you were coming at this with the proper respect for what Ryan had accomplished in the first yeah. two books. And I shouldn't, I, I knew this about you and I should have known this, but I was also brain fried from writing the longest book of my life at that point. Yeah. And, well, I had to do my homework you know, to, to, to really like, I got to show up for Ryan. Cause he's not only like a favorite, you know, writer, he's also my friend and I don't want to let him down. Yeah. He, and he's putting a lot of trust in you and, and, and you did a, you did a really good job of, of, um, bringing it. And you know how many times he had to answer questions throughout the day where he's like, <laughs> I don't remember. Do what you want. <laughs> do, do what you want. He sent, me, he sent me so many, he photographed the sticky notes in the book. Yeah, <laughs> and like hundreds of photos on my phone. I'm like, I don't know. You fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Well, Ryan, that had to be a really comforting feeling to like. Well, no, it was. It was because I never, never once was worried about could he do it, or even would he do it. You know, I I had no worries. It was just me saying, okay, go, man, go. You know, do what you do what you're gonna do, and I it was full trust. Yeah. Well, well, and I think in in a lot of ways too, like, you know, you, you, you know, like you said, what we've done was original and it was different, but you and I, not only that, but the, the screenplays and the different things, like, so you had a process, you had already, you'd done a little bit of this before, but I'm sure there was an added weight with like, these are already published books that you had to finish and, and 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 you brought it, so that was cool. So now, Anthony, re- you read the first draft, and you saw wh- what uh, Ryan had done. How did you feel reading it, and what was your initial like thoughts on that? You might want to get another drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, oh, I already knew it was not. I mean, look, I, I've you know, da- da- David, you and I always pitch drafts back and forth. Our process is one of us will write the first draft of a thing that we've outlined together and then pitch it back to the other one, right? Right. I always know that a first draft is never going to be, I'm never going to get blown out of the water unless, you know, and I, any of Cody's first drafts, I imagine they're probably pretty good, but, uh, you know, I, I, there was stuff where I was like, okay, I can see Ryan wanting to do this for this reason. And I I don't want to get into certain spoilers yet if we're not doing that. Um, but the, I, I did think that, you know, there's a lot of inconsistencies. There's, there's some stuff that seems like it was one of my favorite things about reading Ryan's first drafts is, is the notes that go back to this later. <laughs> you do that a lot, yeah. It says editors don't figure this out. Who cares? You know, <laughs> it's fun. Um, but I, I, I saw what he was trying to do and I thought, okay, how can we do this? but maybe make it more cohesive in, I know what, what you were originally trying to do was something that was more sci-fi channel-y, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. And, and what I wanted to do was kind of still, still make it like a creature feature, but 
I don't know, just not go down certain avenues that I thought might be a little bit well-worn point. David froze. Oh, he's back. Um, Sorry. In, in, it, was, it was a certain process of kind of pulling back on my own bias of what I want to see and more of trying to attune to what Ryan's trying to do and then molding it from there. So with this collaboration process with, with Hissers 3, so we were talking about, um, and we took a little break, um, sorry folks, uh, but we were talking about this process of reading that first draft and, and noticing the difference. What do you think, Anthony, when you sat down to do this, after having reread the first two books, what, what, did, what did you want to bring to Hissers 3 Um what did you think, you know, like, hey, I really want to see Hissers, like, from an outside perspective, as somebody who didn't write the first two books, what did you want to see in Hissers 3? I wanted to see it get a little weirder, but I also wanted to, to see the destruction on a grand. That's what I wanted to see. Well, you know what's funny, too, guys, because I talk about the different sensibilities, because there's a moment where you almost tee up what would have been my sequel right and i was like oh yeah they're gonna do this and then you went a different direction which is funny because the idea like because i always like mission stories stories about a mission so i thought for a minute you guys were gonna write the whole book about the mission to get the snake at the zoo (laughs) right and um so i was like oh yeah we're gonna have this great mission and then and it it happened in the first act and then as you said anthony it went way more gonzo than than yeah. that which was cool because and anyone can look at the cover to see like things are getting way weirder so how did you approach when you talked to ryan when when anthony said i want to go weirder what was your reaction to that well i was fine with it i think what anthony had said earlier is so true when he was like what about what about this what about kind of just went yeah do it he gave me (laughs) such free reign that i was almost so ungovernable and drunk with power (laughs) um i I, he gave me a really good um he gave me three characters which are the trip well well, they're quadruplets technically the hawk yeah the hawk brothers yes so he gave me the hawk brothers and in the original draft they they're kind of they're just kind of creepy background kids and he they were said, as front as and center, right? And then you took you took them and went with, yeah. yeah because I mean, those characters you want to talk about teed up. Those those three characters are practically made for me to write for, basically. Right. Um, and so I was kind of able to show more of the world in in a different side of what's going on in in this like this apocalypse through them. And it also helped kind of draw the focus away from the main group that's been kind of the through line for all three books just a little bit. And it, it, it gave me that opportunity to add a little bit more flavor to, to the book. Right, right. Well, and it's funny, too, because how my brain works, like I was saying, like I was thinking, oh, like this is all going to be they're all going to be going to get the snake. But what was cool was um, that once they got it. And once once you go to San Diego in the story, you start seeing the cracks. Um, one of the things I like, because you know I love parallels and reversals, right? And so the parallels that are really going on in this narrative have to do with as the humans are kind of cracking the security of the military base where 
they're kind of hiding out is, is cracking at the same time. And so you really had to kind of structure that together. Was that a first draft or was that something that kind of came later? Or am I, am I reading too much into it? <laughs> no, I love, I, I love when people um, discover stuff that I, I didn't even know I was doing. <laughs> um, well, no. I think, I think I had a lot of that in the first draft. You might've tightened up some of it later on. I have looked at that book so many times but the structure of it is every scene is very intentional because there are scenes that are they're, they're all where they are now but there are some where they were three chapters ahead or four chapters back that needed to get reshuffled for everything to kind of cohesively co come together um so it's all very purposefully structured yeah and i have a distinct memory anthony of when we were in julian and there was one point where you were like staring at the laptop and you had like one eyebrow up and you were like, I'm moving shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? You were like, I'm moving. I'm moving some stuff. And then I <laughs> yeah. was like, because I, I just remember the intense look you had on your face, like something crazy was happening. I do, rem I do remember you moving things and then me... I remember looking at it and going, oh, yeah, oh, you're right. If we, yep, okay, if we do it here, better, good. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, so Ryan, this is your first time. Is this the first time you've collaborated on a full book? Because I know you've probably done short stories together. Um, first time with Anthony, not the first time collaborating on a novel. I did write um, Red Ice Run with Craig Saunders. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. I had a little bit of practice working in Craig Saunders – Totally want to throw out a plug because he's such a great author. Where uh, I kind of like learned how to work with another author, and then Anthony's my, the second one. I and, and but we have worked on other things together, but I think this was full novel, right? Right. Well, and I think what's really um, it's got to be fun for you though, Ryan, with that you've already started this work thinking you're going to do it alone it must be a fun moment to see like somebody else like playing with those blocks and moving yeah. around and yeah absolutely like totally like i said when he's i remember him moving things and me going that's perfect like that's yeah. better. that's better than what i had and that's why i want to work with well, right. And you're a musician. So you're, you're used to jamming yes. and writing yes. songs and doing all that kind of stuff. So and, that, and that's a great analogy. Um, when you're working with two other musicians and somebody, my bass player in the Buzz Bombs, man, he would say, no, 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 do it this way. And I would go, I don't want to. And he would say, do it. And then I would do it. And I go, ah, man, you're right. It's better. And I, I really got used to like trusting in people, trusting that outside objective perspective you know, and, and trying to like step away from yourself from it and see what they're saying. And Anthony brought that to the table of let's move this, let's do this. And so I had a little, had a little bit of training in that already where I could go, yeah, you're right. So it's a lot better to do that. Well, and that's one of the fun things about collaboration is you're going to, no matter how much <laughs> experience you have, I mean, technically on paper, um, you and I both have, you know, more, um, published work but i i know i learn a lot working with anthony and i'm sure like what's one of the things with the collaboration is each other we're all going to learn stuff from working with each other and i think it's one of the things that the the writers who have never collaborated with anyone else 
and have never had this experience are really missing out on. So in that sense, um, starting with Anthony, like what, what is something that you learned from Ryan and working on this particular book that, that you hadn't, hadn't uh, experienced before? Like, is there a moment from the, either the, the process or the actual text of the book that you feel like you got something that you didn't know before? And then I'll ask Ryan the same question. I feel like I taught him everything. Um, <laughs> but uh, answer. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I, I think one of, the, one of the biggest takeaways for me from working with Ryan is ensuring that like, and, and you would think that this would be a duh moment, but is, is ensuring that every scene builds on top of the back of the previous one and, and that it all needs to cohesively like lead to a, to a direction that actually you know, matters and makes sense. Because me as a solo writer, I tend to write these weird, ambiguous, very character-driven stories that where there's an atmosphere and dialogue than literally anything else. Um, whereas Ryan, writing with Ryan has really taught me how to kind of broaden my scope and work within that scope and, and do things on a bigger scale. Yeah, I mean, Peter Straub is awesome, but there's sometimes where you don't want to, you're not compelled to keep reading because it's so goddamn ambiguous that you know and look i i'm saying i still really love his work but he's an example of somebody who has who is he's not going to sell as many books as stephen king for that reason you know because also stephen it, it might sound it, it might sound like another duh but it, it really taught me how to write for an audience like because oh, yeah. i'm not writing for people that read me or that read uh, us or cut people who want a ryan c thomas book you know so so like for me i totally had to learn how to restructure my brain to, to write for a very specific audience if that makes sense yeah and so but and for ryan for you this is a, a story that you uh, in a world you've already lived in but how did working with somebody else make you see hissers differently um yeah it was it was just a fresh perspective um, of, of, it was a fresh perspective from a reader, from sort of like a, a viewer, if that makes sense. Um, it's all, I, I kind of looked at it in, in the, you know, when they do a sneak preview of a film and they hand out the questionnaire and you kind of look at like what the audience thought. And then, so that was, uh, Anthony brought a lot of that to the table when he would say, well, I think this is cool. And I don't think this is cool. And because I trust Anthony's perspective on things, I would say, okay, there were like, I mean, I can't think of it like a specific example, but I know there were a couple moments where I was like, I probably wouldn't do it this way, but I'm going to trust him to go with it. And then he would do it. And I'd be like, it worked, you know? Right. I, I had to learn to like, trust that this guy who knows what he's doing is going to do it. You know? Yeah. And, and a really important part of collaboration is, is, Trusting each other enough to know that sometimes you're going to be right and sometimes the other person's going to be right, and to to be able to 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 say to the partner that you're working with, like, you know, okay, this is a battle I'm going to fight because I believe in this one, and this is a battle I'm not going to fight because I think you're 
you're right. I don't, you know? I don't think we had any real moments of if I said, well, I might tweak this, or he said, I might tweak this. I don't think there was any moment of like, no, no. Yeah. It's kind of no, like, the, all right, the, go. The, I mean, are we doing spoilers? Um, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, well, I guess it's not really a spoiler, but the biggest thing that, that when I read the first draft, that I was like, I'm cutting well, that. Um, I'm, I was the biggest thing that I was like, I'm cutting this all out and I'm fixing not well, I don't want to use the word fixing because it implies that that's wrong. I just didn't like it. Um, which is in the original draft, Doug and Olive are a couple. And I, I just felt that that really didn't work and it really didn't, it didn't, it wasn't necessary. They didn't need to be a couple to be two characters who can rely and care about each other. They don't have to be romantically linked to, to feel that way about one another. And I feel like you already have the romance with Connor and Amanita. So for me, that was the one thing that when I, I wanted to talk to Ryan about cutting it, that I thought he might, you know, push back on, but he shockingly was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that how I do it? Yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and that's good because I think, um, it, no one should be collaborating on, on on a project if they're if they feel like what they're doing is too sacred to to not hear the advice of, of the other person. There's always no, going to be there been times when he would say, "Okay, yeah, you wrote this new dog, but I don't like it, so I tweaked it and I I did it differently. It's more fresh, it's less stale." And and he was right. Like some of the the new dialogue I wrote, you know, there was a better way to do it. He did it in a better way. I also think the big thing about collaborating is you write that first draft, but you immediately have somebody else that looks at it and goes, eh, maybe different. Well, that's almost like, it was almost like I did punch up for you. Yeah. Like you would write something and I'm like, there's a base here. That's good. Let me punch it up a little bit. You know, and you were fine with it and I was fine with it. And well, and, and I know from right from going into to Anthony's first drafts and working with them is that a lot of times what I the little things that I have to do is world building because, yep. for, you know, it's just one of my strengths. Right. And, and it's mm-hmm. like one of those things of saying, like, uh, this is a little too ambiguous, dude. I know what you're trying to get at, but I think here's a way that we can really nonchalantly kind of explain it and i think probably in in a sense of it becomes a thing of when like and i say this in the sense of that i know i've grown to learn to know your strengths and there will be times where i know sometimes and i'm sure you did this with ryan too where you'll say you need to work on this you know or this needs a little more world building or whatever and it's all about like learning and knowing each other's strengths and where you can work with each other. And I think that's one of the things that is lost sometimes when people are, are, you know, that's one of the arts of collaboration, you know? And one of the things that's really cool about this for me is somebody who's read both of your work. Um, there's no point in Hissers three where I felt like, Oh, this is totally Anthony's part or this is totally Ryan's part. Uh, you guys developed a third voice, a third, you know, thing here. And um, you pulled that off and it was successful because um, I, I got to tell you, like, I was going in looking for it, you know. I, I really believe that. And that's, yeah. yeah. Well, not not because not because I wanted to find it, but because um, 
I couldn't not because I know both of your writing really well. I know Anthony's writing probably a little bit better than I know than than even Ryan's, and I've read Ryan's for a long time. But for me, it was like I I didn't find any moments where I was like, oh, that's definitely this person and that person. And the proof is that I wrote Anthony the other day on a message and said, hey, are there any parts that you very specifically punched up? <laughs> right. Uh, specifically because I didn't really know. And other than that, I, I, and you did mention this to me and I knew that you, you kind of developed the, the, the quadruplets a, a lot and you worked on the Hawk brothers, um, yeah. quite a bit. Um, but that being said, it's all there. You guys did a really, really good job. Here's the thing about history's three that I'm going to say, uh, before we kind of, as a last thing, before we get into spoilers and writing process, um, one of the things I know about Ryan is because, like, we've talked at length about the Fletch books and um, the simplicity of dialogue and those kinds of things. Um, Ryan, you're you're very, and this comes back to you just said this a little bit ago. Your your editing background for the magazine and trying to pare things down. Um, Anthony is not a pare down writer, uh, <laughs> in the sense that as much as you are. Um, so melding these styles um, and getting down to the nitty gritty of it um, and finding that third voice, how was that process of this and, and trying to smooth things out? Like in the end, did who, who had, who took the last pass is what I'm saying. <laughs> we kind of both took a last pass. I mean, when we were comfortable with what we had on manuscript, I, I, did, I did do that thing that I normally do with all of my books is to, you know, I do the Fletch mechanics, basically, which is let me go in and find every little thing that doesn't need to be there. It gets very me mechanical at that point. You know, it's like word for word for word. This sentence could lose this word. This sentence could lose this word. So I think I did that pass. And then I think maybe you did the last pass. I can't I think. I think, I think he so. did the absolute last pass on it after that. Yeah. And that was it. Well, your meticulous nature is why you always get last pass, Anthony. Um. Anthony is super meticulous. Like, yes. What, he's, one yes. Of the, he's one of the best editors I know. Oh, really good. I, agreed. Agreed. Um, uh, yeah, and it's it's one of the reasons why we uh, um, yeah we do we just pumped him up. We got to break him down in some way. We got to say something. <laughs> no, it's fine. This is great. <laughs> we got to uh, talk about somebody other than Cody. <laughs> well, um, so so um, all right. So let's get into a little. Let's talk a little bit about. Let's do one more pitch before we get into a short spoiler section. Um, I will say. Um, the the insanity that it breaks into uh towards the end and the way it rashes up i don't remember did the other two books have the time stamps down to the minute um um they did okay yeah which by the way is a pain in the ass to keep track of <laughs> well, i i sorry <laughs> i know i just um i just did one of those <laughs> that i just finished so i i'll I, never do i'll never do it again it was <laughs> by book two. I was like, this is, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah keeping track of what time it is and how long things are taking yeah it's 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 painful but um but so for so the last thing i would say before we get into spoilers if anybody is still on the fence um uh hissers three is um it, it can stand alone on its own on its own um but you're definitely going to get more if you read the whole the trilogy as a whole and i think one of the things is this uh kind of third voice of the of the third book kind of gives it like a really fresh feel and it's a cool thing and i think um i think the the process you can feel the fun you guys were having writing this on the page and i think it breathed some really um excellent life into this third third book so um and i probably should have said that in my review because that uh i think that's uh, one of the strong selling points of it so anything else you guys want to say before spoilers uh just to kind of elaborate a little bit more i've had several people who have become my the last couple of years who didn't read Hisers one and two um but they grabbed book three and most of the feedback I've gotten on it is that they enjoyed it even as a standalone without having read the first two. So, so, I, but for me, being a completist, I would need to read the first two because I know that the third book is going to be way more enjoyable. Well, then they get a prequel, right? <laughs> they get two prequels. Yeah, that's one way to look. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I, I think that that's really cool. And plus, the one thing about it standing on its own is that right now it's the book that you guys have just put out. So I'm sure you, you really want people to, to see it, you know, and, and so it's ability to stand on its own is kind of important. So it's certainly harder to market. Yeah. That's, that's the tough part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause um, I want to be like, read book three, but you might want to read one or two, but read three, yeah. read one, two, read three, you know, yes. yeah. Tough. Well, well, we'll get the word out about that. So now, um, so uh, anything that, um, okay, so we're in spoilers now. So we're going to do short spoiler section. But um, for me, it's funny too, because like I mentioned the whole, the, the, the snake thing. But the, the characters who, the, the woman, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, the, the doctor who, um, was working on the cure um there's a moment where she basically says like hey you know this is science kind of gone gone wrong and this is this people were intending to do well and um uh, that's how a lot of body horror starts is somebody had this idea that they thought they were going to do something good and um i like that it's subtle in this book that it doesn't take over take over everything that it's just kind of a subtle moment. Um, can you talk you guys, for me, that was a part that, um, because it, 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 honestly, I didn't remember when I was reading this, I didn't remember the hissers origins. So that part kind of hit me pretty hard when realizing like, Oh, this, this happened because, you know, so that was, trying to help was that, people, you know, yeah, the Dr. McGowan, Dr. McGowan, um, which, by the way, in the original draft, he just kills her off screen. She just dies. <laughs> they just one of my favorite things about that original draft was getting to the end and then being like, oh, yeah, she's dead. What the <laughs> anyway, all right. so she. Well, spoilers, she kind of 
She makes it, right? Anyway. Kind. Um, mm, well, to get back to the, the subtlety of it and um, the understanding that they were trying to do something good. I've always been sort of a fan of, well, I guess maybe it's just how I am, where I like to look at two sides of every situation. Maybe it's the journalist in me where I try to be as objective as possible, like, well, there's this side of the equation and there's this side of the equation. And so I think that's what she's looking at in, in that context is, yeah, I was supposed to be good. It ended up being, so where do you draw the line on whether or not it's good or evil? Um, and then also with the subtlety of it is, I hope, I trust that readers will get what I'm trying to say in those situations. You know, I think most readers do because yeah, if you hit people over the head with it, it's kind of, it's a little obnoxious sometimes, but but that's that's just me. That's just my character in general is like trying to look at both sides of an argument before I sort of make a decision on it, you know? Okay, Ryan, this is the end of a trilogy, and you said you always wanted to have an end, that you didn't want it to go Walking Dead. Did you have the ending when you started Hissers 1? Did you kind of have the moment that you thought this was all going to build to? And how much did it change? No. I think I had the ending when I started book three. I knew Connor and Amanita's ending. And I knew I had to get them to that point. I think I was unsure with Doug and Olive and some of the other characters. Um, but for, for sure, Connor and Amanita, I knew where that was going to go. At least at the start of book three. Mm-hmm. Now, the last, the epilogue, like, uh, the parts have different titles. Um, were those, the, 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 the titles for the different parts, were they, were, were they in the first draft, or is that a second draft thing? Uh, all three books, every, every section change has, has... Has the title, that's right. Okay. A, yeah, it's a, and it's a song title um, to play back into my music career here. Oh, yeah. are those songs... Uh, um, songs you've written or, or songs I, I'm looking at the oh no 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 I see some of the titles <laughs> like are def- definitely okay now Revolution Earth what does that mean to you as far as part six that's the last that closes it off like what does that mean is that you that came up with Revolution that was me um, well it's just a full turn I think I had agreed on it anyway full turnaround of coming to an end you know we the story here we've come full circle we're at the end and that's that's really where i was going with that was that the world has completely changed the world has done this giant turn but it's starting over again so it's, it didn't just do a 180 to get opposite you know it did this complete revolution to go back to where it started and we're, and we're starting from a little bit from scratch again because half of humanity is gone you know right and so the idea of the other nations wanting, being like fed up and impatient and saying like, oh, you know, we're going to nuke it from orbit to be sure, right? Um, the only way to be sure. That whole thing with, um, I love that, that that added the kind of the ticking clock towards towards this part of the, the, the story. Um, did you have, um, was there ever a point where you wanted to show us what was going on in those other countries or those other other things or you know if i had no i didn't really want to show it i just wanted to allude to it because again i didn't want this to be the walking dead where we're jumping all over the place with different characters and different locations and blah blah right 
I wanted to stick with Connor and Amanita Doug and Olive, but allude to the fact that like, yeah, we've got a ticking clock now, pretty big ticking clock um, <clears throat> based on, you know, this perception of opportunity that our, our you know, quote unquote enemies have on the other side of the globe. Mm -hmm. What now that we're in spoilers, what was the, uh, what was the moment that, that, that it changed from your first draft to once it got in Anthony's hands that the most made you go, Oh wait, now it's, I, I I'm not sure, but now it's working. Cause you already said that that happened a couple times for you. Is there one that, you have to kind of talk about in spoilers. I don't think it was, uh, I don't think there's a spoiler involved in it. I think just by the time Anthony had restructured some stuff, added the scenes, punched up the Hawk brothers. I mean, more than punched up the Hawk brothers, you know, wrote the Hawk brothers chapters. And I, and I completely revised I, that, that opening chapter, it was totally different in the original yeah. draft. I don't even think that was a chapter. You wrote the Hawk brothers chapter. I opened with the Hawk Brothers right. chapter because they're going to be consistent throughout. But the original, the original draft opens with a, I think a, a family just trying to to get by, and they all get murdered by the Hissers. And I thought, well, you know, this is all well and fine, but if we're going to punch up the Hawk Brothers and make more of a character, let's open the book with them. Yeah. And so that 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 whole thing that takes place in in the bowling alley slash arcade, which is basically my childhood arcade bowling alley. It's a mm -hmm. bowl down in El Cone. Um, I just felt I wanted to start like with a big opener. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and and it really uh, you know? and so that opening chapter is totally different. Yeah, and yeah. it sets sets the stakes for them. Gives them that you know is that you know in the very beginning after they watch their brother get basically. Oh, that's down. right. Yeah, because I I think um, I remember correctly. We freeze up or we stay in the uh, in my original draft. I had simply mentioned that they were quadruplets, right? And then you were like, "No, I'm going to show how it happens that they're not quadruplets anymore." So, right. Yeah. Well, and, and and it would be kind of a a funny thing, I guess. Like it, I I could see where Ryan, you were thinking it was like. Well, it'd be a funny kind of throwaway line that, hey, we were quadruplets, but we're not now. And I could also see Anthony yeah. saying, no, 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 that's interesting. Let's drill Anthony, down. Anthony went, no, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Well, I, want, they needed, I want that. They needed more motivation. And plus, I wanted to destroy my childhood bowling. Right, right. So um, so what's the um, the moment that I think for each of you, what's the part of this book? Now that we're in spoilers, uh, starting with Anthony, like what's the part of this book that you are most proud of? Like sitting um, back. I am most proud of. This. Uh, I, I'm. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of the whole thing. I think we. I think having never worked together in this capacity, I think we. I think we. We did a really good job. Um. But I also think that my the scene I'm most proud of is when Parker locks the hisser in the guard shack with the Hawk Brothers, and they have to kind of figure out how to get the hell out of there, and and the door. That that scene to me is putting the characters in a situation that for for like a day and a half I was like, how are they going to get the hell out of this guard shack? And and so it was a process of 
writing action, but also trying to critically think about the scene from an outside perspective of, of somebody who's going to watch it and, and criticize how they actually get out of it. Um, I am most proud of that scene. Well, one of the fun things about collaborating too is that you can you can pat the book yourself on the back with the book a little bit more because it's not a, your solo work. You can be like, "Hey, th this guy helped me a lot, so it is really good," you know, um, and feel uh, more humble about doing it in the process. But um, Ryan, for you, what's what's the, the well for the whole trilogy really? Because now you've got a completed trilogy. How? Um, are there moments from from this book that really stand out as 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 really um, strength is is bringing it to a really great close that you feel really proud of? Um, I you know I I liked the ending and maybe that's just because it was done. <laughs> cool man, thanks. But, Good endorsement. But uh, no, I I actually genuinely like the ending of where the characters end up. Um, I'm, I mean and all that kind of stuff and, well it's not an, it's not necessarily that, but, uh, we and we did go back and forth um, on whether it's going to be a happy ending ryan was adamant that it be a happy so and, and originally i wanted to uh kill the general oh yeah i think, we, I think we, we did go we, back and we forth. went back and forth on that quite a bit on on a couple things one thing was does doug die the other thing is do we kill major general i can't remember now what, i'm old uh, my brain major is old. general ryan major general um was you know do those do they live yeah we went back and forth on uh, and i also just want to point out you guys i spent way too much time researching helicopters and how you would <laughs> transport a giant monster via helicopter i did um i got a tour of the coronado naval base through a friend of a friend and so the big in this book by the way this is something i am proud of this is the part i'm proud of is i went to the and i've played at pendleton and i've played at mirror Mance. But I never really got to go inside the offices and inside the barracks hall. So I called up a friend who is a naval officer, and he said, oh, my buddy will give you a tour of Coronado. And I went down there, and I actually got tours through, like, the the offices and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the firms and all that kind of stuff. And the, the commissaries and the shops and all that. And so I was, like, really, I was really stoked to write about an actual sort of military base. Because I don't think a lot of people really know what a military base you probably do but like a lot of people don't really know what it's like you know so that was interesting yeah doing that kind of research is is so important to to tactile you feel like you can write about the world um you know one of the things with ring of fire for me was i went and you know i knew i had a, a sports radio host as one of the main characters so going and watching you know a sports radio show get recorded one day like <laughs> it made a huge difference. You're for the welcome book. for the ride. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but you know, for, for, uh, yeah. Cause it's out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But for, for one of the things that I think, I do think that your tour of Coronado, which I didn't know about when I read it, like uh, really uh, did bring a sense of realism to it. You know, because um, you could feel um, that you were picking apart parts of of what you saw. You know, yeah. well, yeah. like the movie, the movie theater in the book is based on the movie theater that they have on the Coronado base. And uh, I I saw a movie there once. It's a very funny story. Uh, I saw the Last Samurai, the Tom Cruise movie, mm -hmm. 
And this was at the height of like kind of my anarchism, anarchist organizing. And I was doing all this anti-war stuff. This was right at the beginning of the Iraq war. And I had a friend who was in the Coast Guard and he said, hey, um, I get movies for free at the base. You should come see Last Samurai with me. And I didn't know that everyone stood up and put their hand on their hearts for the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> before a freaking Tom Cruise samurai movie, right? And so I was like, I'm not going to stand up and put my hand on my heart. And my buddy who took me was like, fucking stand up. Because <laughs> we were on the face. It was a very funny be, thing. Uh, so I've been in that movie theater, which is really weird. Right, well, that's cool. I didn't actually, I kind of peeked in. So the base in the book is an amalgam of all the bases I've been on. But the Coronado one was I really got a tour of the office. I also got to say, I had some help from, um, there's another author, Cal Brett, who is, the, is a vet. And he had read the first hissers and, and had sort of emailed me about a couple things I got wrong with the military. And I said, Oh, thank you. Mm. Will you help me? I come from a military family, but I myself did not serve. And, uh, and I don't know why I didn't just ask my dad who's a vet to help, but uh, Cal Brett, who's an author, uh, he, he really helped. He sent me this list of like, well, here's how it breaks down who goes in first and here's the vehicles they use and here's what they're wearing and what you know he really helped a lot so i want to give a shout out to him yeah those those uh those friends who uh, um who have experience can really make a difference in a book um okay anything else and spoilers like anything that you guys like um scenes that 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 you uh really want to talk about anything that um I know for me, um, one of the, the, the um, cool aspects of it was, um, I know for, for me, and I highlighted this in my review, but um, some of the little moments um, that, that, that build suspense and build those things, um, this book is heavy with those and, and little moments. And um, so those are kind of fun to see when you're collaborating when somebody uh, somebody else like writes those moments. Um, and I just, uh, I think for me, one of the ones was, uh, there's a scene where a character didn't want to wipe sweat away cause they were afraid that they were going to miss a chance to shoot, um, somebody. And, uh, so I'm just going to shout out that really cool moment. I don't know who, which one of you wrote it, but it was, uh, that would be Brian. I think I know what the moment you're talking about. And I think it's based on the fact that, um, Sometimes when I would gig on stage, sweat would start to go in my eye, but I'm playing and I didn't want to stop to wipe the sweat away because it would mess up the song. So I think that's where I stole that from. <laughs> Great moment. So I just <laughs> want to put that out there. Anything else for spoilers before uh, we wrap things up? Uh, I don't I don't know. Spoiler wise, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to spoil it. I guess just... Well, no, we're assuming that people have read it if they're listening at this point. Uh, um, I mean, just let us know what you think about yeah. it. My, my, my hope is that people have a good time with it. Yeah, it's a real fun book. And that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I had a lot of fun just because I, I know you guys. And, and so, like, um, and it's funny because, like I said, I did go in like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick a part and see who wrote what parts, and I, I, I couldn't, so that's good. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, it's great fun. It's really, really, really good book. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, um, at this point, um, if people want to find, uh, this book and your work and find you guys online, where do they go? You can go to Ryan C. Thomas. You can go to grandmallpress.com, like a grandma seizure, not grandma. Um, some, some newspaper in like Idaho interviewed me and put grandma press <clears throat> instead of grandma press. Um, so those are the two two places you can, you know, it's on Amazon and ebook, paper book right now. Audiobook is coming up. It's getting worked on. So it'll be out soon. Nice, nice. All I'm not right. cool enough for a website. Um, so follow me on Facebook, I guess, or you can, I'm mostly active on Instagram, Anthony underscore Trevino nine six. Um, that's pretty much where I, I'm most interactive, but um, you know, add me, do whatever. I post all my very short book reviews on there and all kinds of other dumb stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. You should tell us more about the movies you're watching. Cause and I was surprised that I, I, you're the only reason, you're the reason that I didn't go see Antlers. Because, oh, you're welcome. Suck. Yeah. Because I was fully but, uh, planning to go see it because it looked great. And then I saw your two yeah, star review and I was like, it's bad, dude. I'll wait. Wait, you don't like the book reviews? What are you saying? Book reviews are fine. I'm just saying, I want more, I, I, wa I want you to save me from more movies from time to time. Although we don't always agree. So that, that's. That's... I can save everybody from reading that most recent Malzberg book I read because it's not good. But... Well, you need to read Galaxies yeah. or uh, Beyond Apollo because they are good. I'll check them out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, yeah. You as a Solaris fan will like um, Beyond Apollo, I believe. I'll check it's, it out. It's like a way hornier Solaris. Oh, okay. Well, now, now he's in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's that's exactly what it is. It's a hornier, more uh, with Venus snake monsters uh, version of Solaris. So, yeah, I think you'll dig it. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, uh, Ryan. Um, I uh, overdue for having you on. Um, I also want to plug again um, the the summer I died as as a really great uh, primer for your work. Not just because it's where you began, but just because. It's got that raw demo feel, and um, and then they get to if they read that first, they get to watch you progress as a storyteller and a writer of character-driven horror, which I think you are. So um, I think that's a great place to start. All right, folks, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.